Welcome to the Linguava Podcast, The Invisible Profession, where we give you tools, tips, and resources in medical interpretation and translation that help bring to life our industry and ultimately help improve health outcomes for the limited English proficient communities. Welcome, everyone. We're super excited today to have a very, very special guest with us today, um, someone who has been in the industry for a long time and is going to be able to bring a lot of knowledge and experience to the table about what it takes to be a great translator, what it takes to make the right decisions, when who to work with for your language service provider. And we're really excited to have Veronica on the show today. Veronica, is, she's a translation industry veteran with more than 14 years of experience working from uh, project management side, account management, um, and more recently over the last uh, four to five years in new business development. She's worked with Fortune 500 companies, really helping them expand their global footprint. So I am super excited to welcome Veronica to the podcast. Welcome, Veronica. Hi, David. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be on this podcast. Thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, or would it be appropriate to also call you a, a polyglot? Can we, uh, can we say that? <laughs> because you do speak, that would definitely, you speak five, five languages, I, yes, I, I believe. So that would definitely be a compliment. Thank you, David. I do not consider myself a polyglot only because... You know, I, when I think of the idea of a polyglot, it's definitely a person who is fluent in multiple languages. Mm-hmm. I probably would just say I'm bilingual. I do have a basic understanding of multiple languages, but I'm not mm-hmm. necessarily fluent or would consider myself anywhere mm-hmm. fluent. I think I think you're being you're being a little a little, a little <laughs> humble, but we'll we'll keep calling you a polyglot. Um, <laughs> But um, tell tell the audience a little bit today. And again, you're speaking mm-hmm. with with translation organizations, translators, um, interpreters, organizations that work with translation services today. And um, we'd love to hear how you got involved in the translation mm-hmm. industry. Yeah. So you know, when I think about it, you know, I, my my initial gut reaction is always to say, "Oh, it was by a chance." You know, I applied for a job and got a job in the translation industry, but I think it's my whole life I've been kind of led to this industry, probably subconsciously or unknowingly led towards this industry. You know, my father spoke, I think, seven languages. Wow. Um, <laughs> and, where, yeah. and where are you Where are you from originally? I'm from the Czech Republic. Okay. So my father's Czech. Um, and... You know, he spoke many languages, and I learning new languages and, and knowing about other culture cultures has always been part of, uh, you know, me growing up. So my yeah. parents enrolled me in um, a school with expanded language mm-hmm. education. So in the third grade, I started learning English. Then in the fifth grade, they added German, and then in the seventh grade they added Spanish. So usually, typically in, in schools, um, you only take on one language, um, mm-hmm. the foreign language you learn. So from a very young age, you know, I was exposed to different languages, just learning different languages. Um, so I think there was always something yeah. there 
that led me towards this industry. The seed was planted, sounds like. Yes, I right? think so. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that, that's cool. And then you, so you got, got started in, in the industry, and then initially you started as a, as a project manager, as a PM. Is that, I is did. that correct? Yes, correct. So in 2006, you know, it, it, I told it was about the time I get a serious job. I <laughs> started doing these, you know, little little jobs here and there, and then just start my career and applied mm-hmm. for a job uh, for a project manager job. Um, and it's funny because back then I didn't even know something like the translation industry existed. Hmm. It was more like, okay, project manager, I can definitely do that. But I had no idea of the industry or that something like that actually really existed. Anything, you know, while the industry has grown so much over the years, a lot of people still wouldn't even know that something like this, like that our industry. Yeah, that's very, very true. I hear that that all the the time. mm -hmm, It's still very new. So... So yeah, but I started in project management and grew, you know, project management, vendor management. So I dealt with onboarding new vendors, new linguists, and then it was a natural transition to to move towards account management and yeah. just development and sales. Yeah, so, and now and now here you are. And I didn't yeah. mention this at the beginning, but Veronica also does work with Linguava as our account <laughs> manager, and we're uh, we're very very thrilled and blessed to to have Veronica on the team. And so, Veronica, from from your perspective, I'm, I, I think the audience would love to hear what it what it takes to make a great project manager. What it makes to to to, to make a great PM. Um, for P, PMs, are a lot of times you know behind the scenes, and um, mm-hmm. th- there's they're ex, you know, expert multitaskers. And what is it? What does it really? What does it really take to uh, to separate the good from the great PMs? So, and as you said, multitasking is probably one major aspect of the job. So the more obvious would definitely be, you know, the ability to multitask and, and handle stress and be good with time management mm-hmm. at times. But over the years, I've also noticed some of the, you know, most successful project management of managers are people who are very good at working with people and being open to other cultures and understanding other cultures. Um, you know, as a project manager, you work with linguists from all over the world, from different backgrounds who may not right. have understanding of your background. And so you have to be able to adapt to, to knowing how to communicate with people from different backgrounds. So that's one side of it. But then the other side is you communicate with clients too. Yeah. Um, and it could be anyone from, uh, you know, the administrative assistant to even sometimes a CEO of a startup. So it's just the ability to be able to mm-hmm. communicate with people from you know different backgrounds, different job roles. Um, and then the second one I would say is uh, flexibility and being able to learn on the spot and always be willing to learn. Um, you know, technology yeah. is constantly um, improving. And so mm-hmm. manager needs to be willing to constantly learn, learn new tools, learn new techniques. Um, don't say no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, I think about, think about that too, because with technology is constantly, constantly mm-hmm. improving, advancing, changing. Mm-hmm. So how do, how do, how do project managers stay on top of all of the 
advancements and all the opportunities that are that are available yeah i think i think it's just uh just having a natural curiosity to constantly learn to not be Mm -hmm. okay with this is how we've always done it right um as you know um just looking for ways to improve on current processes and looking Mm -hmm. for ways of making things better and being open to just doing the research of, yeah. okay, this is what I'm doing now. I don't think this is very efficient. How can I make this better or, or more efficient and, and easier for everyone? Um, yeah. And I think there's also a, uh, the, the partnership and communication with the, the LSP there as, mm-hmm. as well of, of making sure that, you know, we're being, being innovative together. And right. like you said, utilizing the best, processes and the most mm-hmm. up-to-date processes as well um, to best best serve the clients right right yes yes <laughs> yes yeah, and, yeah. They, oh, go ahead being a sorry david <laughs> no, no, you're good yeah as they said you know just not saying not saying no like no we've always done it this way but me being more of a yes person like yes we can we can do this we can mm-hmm. out um so yeah. yeah. So, so this morning I was reading on um, Slater Slater's newsletter, mm-hmm. and they were talking about uh, a the the Thai Majesty apparently was really upset because they their 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 Facebook there in 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 Thailand they had like their their countrywide you know Facebook that they it was the King's birthday and they did some sort of a, a write up about the King's birthday. And then they did auto translate. Mm. It was from English to Thai <laughs> and they, uh, and apparently completely botched it. It was, it was so offensive to them that they didn't even want to share the original, the mm-hmm. um, mistranslation that, that, that occurred. Uh, they t- you know, took it down. They wrote a letter to, to Facebook. Um, they actually, they banned Banned auto translation, I, I guess in in Thailand be, because of it. So I was really curious to what the message said, but it was so bad that that they mm-hmm. um, that they that they banned the uh, auto auto translation there. So it leads me to to the next question too, which is just about where companies fail when it comes to getting their documents, their information, their websites, their social mm-hmm. media translated. So from your from your experience, what what do you see as um, where, where companies are, are getting it wrong? Yeah, I think it's this idea that um, a machine can do it. That translation is so easy. Uh, a machine like Google Translate or uh, you know Facebook Auto Translate can do it. Um, whereas it's not so it's not so simple, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Machines, no matter how advanced the technology is, they can not understand still they cannot understand context or as mentioned with the the example of you know the the thai prince i mean they don't have cultural understanding or the sensitivity of certain issues um or the specific um wordage that needs to be used and also is the idea that translation is a commodity that it's all about price and Mm -hmm. that you know, it's the last, most companies, unfortunately, you know, translation is the last thing that they plan yeah. for. 
and it's the last thing that is budgeted for. So a lot of companies, um, because they don't plan for it, because it's the last thing, um, don't really have budget for it. And so you know, they're looking for ways of saving, yeah. saving money. Uh, and the obvious is usually to just do it with Google. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, so, so you use automatic translation and that's where I, that's where it goes wrong. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure you've seen other examples all over the internet oh. with, with some hilarious translation fails or uh, just companies get it. Yeah, there are there are so so many. I know you you wrote an article recently. It was a beautiful article you published in um, in LinkedIn um, all about translation fails. So tell tell us a little bit about the uh, about that. Yeah, so I'm always you know I'm always uh, curious to see what other companies are doing and always looking for just the fun side of our industry, right? How can I share a story? Um, how can I show clients that you should not be using automatic translations and just using real life examples? So I'm always on the search for that. And usually, you know, if you do a little search, you can always find, usually it's like signs or, or mm-hmm. things on menus um, being translated improperly and incorrectly. Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> but it's funny because I mean, there's some really big name companies that thought they could, you know, save on translation and then skip a step and use an automated tool or just use one person who's not really familiar with, uh, uh, with the target country and just do it mm-hmm. that way and not have it verified by anyone living in the target country where they want to use the document. And so then all these, you know, hilarious mistranslations or mislocalization um, comes from. So one of my, you know, one of my favorite examples um, of a large big name company is uh, Pepsi. And in the 60s, late 60s, they had a slogan um, that said, come alive. And, you know, they translated and nobody really verified it. It wasn't... uh, localized for the Chinese market. They brought it to the Chinese market mm-hmm. and it said something like Pepsi will bring your ancestors back from the grave. So <laughs> it, it's just examples like these. And oh. I said, there's so yeah. many, so many of them. Some of them even, you know, turned quite inappropriate for these large companies and yeah. ended up being quite an embarrassment. So <laughs> if and that's have, just from just from companies yeah. cutting cutting corners, not exactly. not yeah. doing not working mm-hmm. with a professional language service provider to get their translation done, and just mm-hmm. doing a yeah, just Google just, Translate or Auto Translate. Yeah, you mm-hmm. think about the the amount of money that you spend with any any you know campaign or marketing campaign, then to only have to go to try and retract and all the the millions of dollars you have to spend to try and rectify and correct that. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. I, you know, my colleagues, uh, my, you know, some of my friends in the localization, mm-hmm. we have this thing, um, save money now, pay more later. So that's an example of you know, saving money now. Yeah. It's going to cost you so much more later on trying to fix it. So, yeah. 
Yeah, the way I like to look at it is like the difference between price and cost, mm-hmm. right? You can mm-hmm. you can always find a lower price out there. You know, the price per the the rate per word. Um, you can find really cheap, you know, pennies per per word. But ultimately, mm-hmm. what's that going to cost you in the long run? If that's right. if that is a mis mistranslation, mm-hmm. um, and right. it's going to be a lot more. What's the difference between we hear these terms: you know, translation, localization, mm-hmm. transcreation? Um, can you kind of give us a quick yeah description on what 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 the what those three are and how they're different? Right. So translation, um, those that basically means uh, you know converting the text from one language to another. Mm-hmm. So or for factual, not really changing anything in the source. Basically, whatever the source says, that's exactly what the translation is going to say too. Which works um, more for um, just factual um, types of documents, mm-hmm. um, you know, for, for like forms or um, FAQs or. Yeah annuals, um, just very factual documents. Now, localization is a step mm-hmm. further and it, it adapts the, the translation <laughs> to be linguistically and culturally appropriate for the target market. So it, it takes into consideration, you know, the, the product names, um, the layout of the document. Sometimes even graphics need to be changed. Um, it it even takes into consideration the you know the the religion of the target market. So it, it's just a step further of it's not just a translation. You're adapting the translation to fit the target market mm-hmm, to fit that that um, culture mm-hmm, yeah. to be culturally uh, appropriate. Yeah. Now, transcreation is uh, slightly different, and that's you see more of that. It's it's mostly for motivational um, types of documents like slogans, mm-hmm. um, campaigns, um, you know, headlines, mm-hmm. um, or or even I would say jokes or puns, mm-hmm. um, and so. In this case, you're actually completely changing um, or, or modifying the the text to better resonate with the speaker in a different country. So, for example, you know, with let's say jokes, right, or, or puns mm-hmm. or yep. play words work in one language, but if you just translate it, it's not really going to be funny or really make sense in in another language or another country. So with transcreation, um, you're adapting and modifying the message um, to resonate with the audience in the other language. And same with, you know, slogans, uh, marketing campaigns, advertising. This is probably the best um, example of where transcreation will play an important role. Um, You just don't want to just translate the text. Mm you want to go a step further um transcreation plays more in the emotional um aspect of of what the reader is reading 
Another, another question that, you know, that I, I hear sometimes that come, comes up and I'm sure that you do as well is if you're asking an organization about, you know, what's your process for getting your, your documents and your website or manuals uh, translated and, and they respond with, well, you know, we have, you know, Bob who, who speaks a little bit mm-hmm. of Spanish or a little bit of Russian or et cetera that, that just helps with, with that. Um, so we just, we just call on them when we need, need an interpreter or when we need our documents translated or, or just mm-hmm. a, an update on our website or our social media. So what, what is your advice to, uh, I know that you're probably, you probably cringe like I do when, <laughs> when, I, when I hear that, but what, what is your response to, to mm-hmm. someone when they say, oh yeah, we just, and we have someone in our office that actually, you know, that speaks Thai or that, um, and they, and, and we have them, them translate. So it, it plays on two very interesting topics. And it's just, you know, I think the most obvious would be speaking a language does not necessarily make a person a translator. So unless, you know, as you said, unless Bob is really truly a translator and that's his experience and he was hired for that specific purpose, which in many cases, you know, it's just something they're being asked to do on top of the many, many other tasks right. that they're, yeah. they're supposed to be doing during the day. So uh, it's not only just the, that ethical aspect of asking somebody to do something for free, a service that usually companies charge for, and now you're right. asking your employee to do for free, but it's also the idea that just because you speak a language it does not necessarily make you a translator, right? It's, um, translators have degrees in translation. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they specialize in a specific subject. Um, so they're very familiar with the terminology used. Um, they have all the tools that, that, that makes their process easier. Um, and also, you know, working with an agency, for example, instead of a translator, uh, internal, sorry, <laughs> working with an agency instead of an internal employee, uh, you know, agencies have QA steps in yeah. place. So if you're using only one person in-house who, you know, speaks the language, uh, what if there's a typo that the spell check doesn't catch? Yeah. And then, you know, on the front page of your manual, it's going to be printed thousand copies of, you know, what then, like, who's going to catch it if that's the only person you go to. So uh, agencies that work with qualified linguists, you know, we have QA checks in place. Um, Also flexibility, right? So agencies, we work with with a wide network of linguists. And so you're not relying on only one person. What if Bob gets sick? What if uh, Mm -hmm. he goes on vacation? Who translates document then? Right. Um, and in the worst cases, I, you know, I don't like to bring this up too often, but it does happen. And as I said, you know, what if there's a big mistake on the front page of your huge manual yeah. printed thousand times agencies have liability insurance. So if anything like that, I mean, worst case scenario, it's actually, you know, I've never seen it happen in the past 14 years that I've worked for translation agencies, but in the case it does, or should it ever happen, um, 
you know, transportation companies yeah. have liability insurance to cover yeah. for yeah. errors and omissions insurance. Like yeah. And so, but yeah, so just working with that one person again, you know, I speak Czech and English. I'm bilingual, but I'm not a translator. I, I, I try that long time ago during my college years, you know, helping out with translation and it, it's really difficult and it's definitely a special skill that translators work on and, and not only that, but they have this additional knowledge of other topics too that they specialize in. Right. So mm -hmm. it's, yeah. Yeah. It does. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, super interesting. Well, I, I've seen it. I remember one time I, back when I did a lot more uh, Spanish interpretation, I was interpreting at a, at a clinic and the doctor had spent, the doctor that was working with the patient had spent, you know, obviously some time maybe in Mexico or something like that, a short period of time, six months or so, spoke a little bit, little bit of Spanish. And so when they came mm -hmm. in, they said, yeah, don't, don't worry. You know, I got this. I'll let you know if, um, mm -hmm. if I need you. Mm -hmm. All right. Sounds good. And then when they say that, you never know like what's actually going to come out of their mouth. And, mm -hmm. it was, and it was very poor grammar. Uh, mm -hmm. The patient's like looking at me the whole time, but the, but the doctor insisted they were very, very <laughs> confident in their mm -hmm. uh, Spanish speaking abilities. And, it was pretty bad, and uh, and it, the patient was not understanding, and had to had to kept going going to me throughout the appointment. And at the end, you know, I, I followed up and, and spoke with the uh, the organization or the the supervisor from that from that organization to basically report that hey, this this doctor should not be utilizing their Spanish like this. And should be they should be relying on professionally trained mm -hmm. interpreters. And the person said, "Oh gosh, thank you so much for for letting us know. We should probably stop having them translate our documents as well." Oh gosh! <laughs> so here they here they were not only interpreting; they were also translating the documents, which I can only imagine what those look like because their grammar was atrocious. Mm -hmm. Atrocious. Oh, atrocious. That's, that's a difficult word. Their grammar was very bad. Yeah, gosh, that's yeah, but that's the thing, you know. A lot of, a lot of people, as as we talked about earlier, they just see it as, oh yeah, I just I speak the language, I can yeah. do. It. Yeah. Um, exactly. So, so that's something, something, something definitely to be to be aware of. So one 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 other question for you, Veronica, is where where you see the industry headed. We talked earlier about just how fast technology is, is, is changing and you, mm -hmm. you can't have a conversation about, about translation without addressing the fast, fast changing of with mm -hmm. the technology. Uh, where, where does Google translate come into play with that? What, what about machine translation? Mm -hmm. And um, so from your, from your experience and, and perspective, where, where do you see the, the industry headed as it pertains to technology? I think it's gonna. It's definitely gonna grow. It's we've we're already seeing it with, as you said, you know, machine translation. Um, I think neural machine translation is gonna be more widely used. Um, but again, you know, speaking about if if it can replace human translators, mm -hmm. I don't see it. And I actually, to be entirely honest, I don't think it's ever going to happen. 
um, it's definitely you know, the automatic translation or neural mis- machine translation is definitely going to help speed up the mm-hmm. process and help translators, um, you know, be more efficient and then do more in less time. Mm-hmm. It's not going to replace them. Um, only because, you know, as we've seen from the examples, the localization fails examples, mm-hmm. machines still cannot understand the context or, or cultural differences or religious differences. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> they're not going to replace mm-hmm. human time yeah, soon. Continue to especially get, when it comes to... Continue to make improvements and, and mm-hmm. make things faster and more efficient, but right. you, don't, you don't see it completely replacing. No, no, not anytime soon. Yeah, I know. Who know? It's so hard to know where, <laughs> what w- w- we can only imagine, you know, what things will look like in a few years from now. Mm-hmm. It's so hard to know what things will look like in, you know, seven to 10 years, right? Mm. Uh, with technology changing so, so fast. Yeah, um, I think it's going to help. I, I'm not, I know a lot of people are really against it. Um, I'm actually, for our industry, I think it's only going to help. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to help make things more efficient and, and, and faster and allow us to, to do more and help more people. Um, yeah. I don't think it's, it's a bad thing. And I don't think it, yeah, human translators, they're here to stay. <laughs> for for all the translators listening, I'm sure they're, they're <laughs> excited to, to hear that as, as, as well. And, um, and we're, we're coming, coming up here to the, to the end, but what on on that note too? What what advice would you give to a translator that with that is maybe just getting started uh, mm-hmm. in the industry, a difficult industry to get to get started in? So what what would you what would be your advice for someone getting started? Mm-hmm. I would say um, I would tell them to find a topic they want to specialize in, um, since this is their career of choice and it's what mm-hmm. they're be doing probably for the rest of their lives um, you know speaking the other language or having that degree in translation is just the first step um, you, you know the language you know the theory of translation you know how to do it but specializing or finding that niche for yourself is where you can really excel so just look at what you like you know, what would you're interested in? Do you like, what are the topics that you like to read about? That mm-hmm. you're interested yeah. in? Do you like um, health and wellness? Are you interested in those topics? Or are you more technical? And are you really into learning about machines and, and how they're built and, and how they work? Um, or are you into sports? So j- just, you know, figure out mm-hmm. what really like because it is going to be something that you're going to be translating for the rest of your life yeah and so it has you know it should be i think it should be something that you enjoy um yeah yeah something that you can get get excited about get up in the morning yeah yeah Yeah. right so find that talk find what it is other than translation that you really enjoy and just learn as much as as you can about that specific industry a specific topic, um, you know, read books on that topic too, and just get as much knowledge as possible in both languages. So if you're translating from English into Spanish, 
um, acquire that knowledge in both languages. So you know, you're familiar with the specific terminology. Yeah. And I think that can go really a long way as opposed to just being a, a generic or like gen, uh, general translator mm-hmm. trying to do everything, right? right. Specializing, yeah. I think, is, is where um, you can really excel if you specialize in a specific area, like Linguava in medical translation, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, there's lots of, lots of opportunity there. Well, this was, uh, this was an excellent, excellent opportunity to, uh, to learn from you. Veronica, we, we uh, thank, thank you for your, your time with, with us all today. I'm sure that the, the audience all gained a lot from, from, uh, from being, getting a chance to listen to you and, uh, and tuning in all the way from Chicago, where you're yeah. at, you're at uh, right now. And, um, and thank you all for, for tuning in as well. This was, uh, it was great, great to have you joining our episode. And if you liked the episode and want to, want to hear more, go ahead and hit subscribe if you haven't already. And feel free to share this with your language uh, interpretation translation community. Um, we would love to continue to get content like this out. And we'd love to hear from you as well. So what, what type of topics would you like to hear? Or what type of questions would you like us to, to tackle in, in this podcast. This podcast is for you. And we, we, we want to make sure that we're, we're talking about the right, right questions and topics that you, you have on, in mind. So thank you again for, for being a part of the community. And we will see you very soon on, on the next one. Veronica, again, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, David.